Hey guys, I am by no means an expert on the coronavirus. I have no medical background. I think I took one science class in undergrad, but I am a pastor and uh, I thought I thought it'd be valuable to try and share some encouragement with people in the midst of these really strange days that we are we're living in together. In the ancient world, um, long before the process of industrialization, the process of harvesting grain required the use of something called a threshing floor. And you might still see there's some communities, agrarian communities, which still use a threshing floor today. A threshing floor was a hard, smooth surface that a harvester would pile the, the stalks of wheat on that he'd just harvested. And then the, the harvester would then typically have an ox or a pair of oxen then trample underfoot, or maybe they would tow on a heavy threshing board. They would tow the threshing board or they would trample over the stalks and the sheaths on that threshing floor. This would in turn then tear the ears of the grain from the stalk and then loosen the edible part of the grain from the inedible chaff. After that, the harvester would take another tool called a winnowing fan and then he would scoop up the broken stalks and the grain. And then he'd take the winnowing fan and sort of like flipping it up in the air in the same way like you Minnesotans like myself are familiar with maybe flinging a, a snow full of shovel in the air. What would happen is he would fling this up in the air. The lighter chaff gets blown away by the wind. The inedible part would get blown away by the wind while the edible grain, which is heavier, falls to the ground near the feet of the harvester. Throughout the Bible, we actually, we actually see the threshing floor as a symbol of judgment. In fact, John the Baptist said that Jesus, as the Messiah, would be the judge with the winnowing fork in his hand, separating the wheat and the chaff. For those of you that maybe have grown up in sort of fire and brimstone churches, the word judgment might conjure up some really unhealthy pictures of a legalistic Zeus-like God who just he loves to dish out a good smiting for just about any old reason. Like, if you like to dance, well, that will bring God's judgment. How about playing cards? That's going to bring God's judgment. Voting for a Democrat. <laughs> That'll bring God's judgment too, right? So if you've grown up in that sort of environment, you spend any time in churches like that, hearing the word judgment might be a bit of a trigger word there for you. And so for those of you that have lived through that sort of psychological torture and are still Christians, you might be tempted to throw out the idea of judgment altogether. Get it. I've had stints like that in my own life in the past, thinking, you know, God is, he's only love, no judgment, no discomfort, no threshing, no winnowing. But what I realized, what I've realized was that I actually was still, even in that, accepting this false dualistic dichotomy of love and judgment being opposing movements. And this realization didn't dawn on me just because I learned some better biblical hermeneutics or systematic theology. Thank God for that stuff. I certainly did, too. But it dawned on me after experiencing cycles of threshing floor judgments through my own spiritual journey, through my own adult years, where I was forced to 
you know, not really choosing this of my own accord, but situations happened in life where I felt like I had to throw my entire value systems, at times my entire sense of identity and worth, every god or possible idol I carried in my life on the threshing floor. The threshing floor consistently exposes what is good and what is worthless chaff in our lives. Our values are informed by a meta story that we believe about God and our place in that story. So when judgment comes and the manifestation of our values expressed in things that we give our time, energy, resources, and attention to, when all that, when that is thrown on the threshing floor and we feel the crushing weight of suffering test those values, what it does is it separates the truth from the falsehood. It separates what is good for us from what is not. What sits atop the hierarchy of our values as king and informs our guiding story functions as the god of our lives. So the threshing floor and the winnowing fan, it, it, it serves to expose our false idols that we mistakenly cling to for life. Right now, this, this pandemic, it's awful. It's terrible. And it's forcing many of us to throw our values and the manifestation of our values expressed in our behavior onto the threshing floor to be judged. Now, to be clear, and this doesn't mean that we need to think of the disease as good or picture God as this sort of arsonist firefighter who sends diseases just to heal people. No, causality is far more complex than that. We don't get the metaphysics of it all. God working all things for the good doesn't mean that we need to assume divine agency as the direct cause of horrific suffering. We see the same Jesus who carries the winnowing fork and the winnowing fan. We see that same Jesus healing people's diseases throughout the Gospels. He calms the storms and rebukes the storms. He rebukes a natural evil. This actually gives us a moral picture of how we ought to act in the world, and it gives us it gives us a sense of certainty that we should do all that we can in times like these to stop this disease, to heal the sick. But also recognizing that healing frequently came with this post-healing instruction, go and sin no more. In John 16, as Jesus looked ahead to the cross, he claimed that his crucifixion would be an act of judgment. But, specifically, if you look at John 16, it might surprise you who the act of judgment is on. Unlike some unhelpful pictures where you pit the father who's really, really angry and he's out to, he just has to do something with his anger. He's got to smite somebody. That's the Zeus-like God. And sometimes we might picture judgment as Jesus kind of stepping in the gap and going, here, I'll take the bullet for you. And there, there might be some helpful things to that picture, at least not that caricature, but other more helpful understandings of what sometimes is called, right, penal substitution. But as you look at John 16, when Jesus talked about the cross and judgment, he had someone else in mind that was being judged. It was just a judgment on Satan, who he calls the prince of this world, the prince of this age. Though we act in the world to bring relief to people suffering, we can, we can simultaneously acknowledge that there are threshing floor judgments that happen in this world, which can feel like they are crushing and breaking us. 
If the cross was a judgment on Satan, it certainly didn't look like it when it was happening. If we want our lives to be oriented around the truth, which I hope we all do, no one likes to live in a lie, we have to accept that not all of, not all of our values are aligned with the truth. Not all of our values are aligned with truth, goodness, and beauty. How do we remove the falsehood then? How do we purge what is harmful to us out of us? Now, ideally, the way that happens is we respond to the light of Christ and we willingly repent whenever we perceive the light. Sometimes our attachment to our idols and the depth of our deceptions are so severe that we become hardened to the truth. Those values which descend and they, they come from idolatrous loyalties to the prince of this age get exposed in that intense crushing of the threshing floor experience. You know, even as we are preparing in our own family for what seemed like an unimaginable state of existence just a couple weeks ago, you know, my wife and I, we, we've, we've talked about how we, we come, we've come in, even in the middle of this, to see some of the chaff in our own lives. Just as one example, we've been we've been house hunting for quite some time, and uh, you know we finally gotten to a point in our lives where we feel a sense of stability in our job situations. We we imagined, you know, even in the midst of the stability, we we imagined things like finding some big beautiful house and accepting a thirty year mortgage, and to for the next thirty years of our lives to be paying a higher mortgage than what we've ever paid before. Well, today we're not thinking like that. We're thinking and we're asking questions like this. Like, instead, we're asking questions like, well, what if we lived more communally? You know, what if we didn't have one-third of our income going to housing like the standard American model? Who do we know that is being much more adversely affected by this crisis, that we might be able to save some more money to help out. Do we really need this thing or that thing that we once imagined that we needed? Did we even in us secretly carry some sense of invincibility because we're Americans and, and this stuff doesn't happen to us as Americans? Maybe, maybe we can even deepen a connection with God's creation by by picking up gardening or farming. This is going to be a hard road. <clears throat> Excuse me, this is going to be a hard road, but there is an opportunity in this moment to have our, our secret allegiances we've carried to the, to the spirit of this fallen age and to the kingdom of darkness exposed as chaff in us. Like it or not, we're coming face to face with an evaluation of our deepest values. I'm not an old man by any means. I've got a lot of life to live, I, I hope and pray, and uh, more wisdom to accumulate. But at least in my lifespan, I think I've accumulated enough wisdom through enough personal cycles of threshing to know that I don't know what's best for me. Each time I've emerged from these cycles of threshing and winnowing, I've emerged so thankful to have seen the worthlessness of some of my pursuits, 
to see the chaff blow away in the wind. This is going to be hard, guys, these next few months. I don't know. Maybe it's just a few weeks. It doesn't look like it. Maybe it'll be a few months. Who knows? Maybe this will go on throughout the rest of the year. I have no idea. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. But I know this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard in our churches, in our families. Let me trust, encourage you. Let me encourage you even in that. To trust in the goodness of Christ. He who is the sole source of all truth, goodness, and beauty is also the one who holds the winnowing fan. Lay all of your values on his threshing floor now. Don't run from it. And rejoice in the judgment because Christ's cross is a judgment not on you. Christ's judgment is a cross. Christ's cross is a judgment on the wicked prince of, his, of this age. It's a, it's a judgment on the Babylon which claims its false kingship of our minds and attempts to enslave us. The threshing floor liberates us. I just want to encourage you, hold on to hope for what, what will emerge on the other side of this. Hold on to hope that all the chaff in your life is going to be blown away and that you'll have the good grain, you'll have the edible parts, you'll have what's good remaining. Hold on to hope in the midst of this, guys.